Well, good morning, everyone, and a happy Sunday to you all here. Whether you are in the room today and brave the elements this morning, or a hello to anyone that's live online with us right now. We have a, a few friends that are with us and saying hello already. Also wanted to say anyone who's watching or listening later this week, a hello to you too. A special welcome to any guests that we have with us in the room today. Now listen, we have prayed for you this week. Uh, we want this to be a really low-pressure environment for you, so we've developed a few avenues to serve you and answer any questions that arise for you today. Uh, in fact, uh, the next few minutes are primarily for you, our guests. And so one of the ways that we hope to serve you is by connecting with you. And if uh, we want to connect with you, if you, would if you would like, please share your information with us. Now, when I say share your information, you might think, whoa, what are you going to do? Who are you going to sell it to? Uh, you don't have to worry about anything like that. Uh, the reason we want you to do that is so that we can follow up with you, uh, get feedback from you, and see how we can serve you. Uh, anybody, not just guests, can update their info or be added to that uh, email list. And there are two ways to do that. The first of which is by hard copy. You can fill out the info card in the pocket of the chair in front of you. And if you fill that out, you can put that in the offering box in the back on your way out. Uh, you're going to see the things that we do with that right on the info card, so you don't have to worry about that. But the second way to share information is electronically. So if you'd like to complete an info card that way, you can do so on the Next Steps page of our website or by using the Version app. The instructions on how to use the app are up on the screen right now. And we love that app here at Centerway. The app is super useful during the gatherings to follow along, to take notes, and even give online if you want to that way. You can also make Centerway your church. It's one of my favorite features of the app right now uh, because you can connect with people uh, that call Centerway Church their home. You can keep up with reading plans and so many other cool things. So uh, I encourage you to check that out. Now, I already mentioned giving through the app, and of course, we do not expect our guests to give at all. Uh, but if you attend regularly and you prefer not to uh, use the app to give, you can use an envelope in front of you and place that in the Centerway offering box too, or by going to the Give tab of our website. Uh, today is week four of our series, Built to Be, and so far we've been blown away uh, by what God is up to, uh, speaking to us through the book of Nehemiah. Uh, there are free Nehemiah journals in the back. If you don't have one from the previous series, you can grab one of those. Feel free to grab one even now if you wanted to. It will, you won't be, you know, called out. It won't be embarrassing or anything like that. Uh, and if you're joining us online, shoot us an email. We'd love to send one uh, to you uh, if you would like one. We have resources for this series so you can connect and engage throughout the week. We have wallpapers for your phones and devices, Spotify playlists, social media channels, all that kind of good stuff. We do have Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that you can subscribe to on our website or by using that info card in front of you. Uh, and if you're looking for a next step, you can visit the next steps area in the back uh, or that page of our website as well. There are so many ways to learn to follow Jesus, and we just want to help you along in that journey. Uh, in fact, some of you might have noticed that we have a bathtub right here over to my left, your right. Uh, one of the things, one of our because and therefores at Centerway uh, is that because Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, 
we value celebration. And so we're going to celebrate. There's a few people that are being baptized after our gathering today, and we're going to talk about that more a little bit later on. Uh, but another next step that's happening right now is that there's a circle cycle um, that's beginning, and signups are live on the website. Uh, if you don't know what circles are, they are an incredible way to connect and engage throughout the week, uh, almost like a small group, if you're familiar with that concept. Um, we are... Um, just kind of talking about how to apply the text, how it's coming alive in our lives. Um, and uh, in fact, there are five to choose from for adults, students, and kids with the new circle added for moms of little ones. So even though I won't be there, uh, you should check that one out. It'd be pretty cool. Uh, again, you can visit the Next Steps area in the back uh, at the end of our gathering or visit the Next Steps page of our website anytime you'd like to. Finally, if you have questions, feedback, ideas, or you need prayer for anything, you can email connect at centerwaychurch.com. That's the best way to get a hold of us. Now, here's what to expect for the rest of our gathering today. Claude will be communicating from the Bible. After that, we're going to respond to the word uh, by worshiping through singing, and then we'll be celebrating new life and baptism uh, after that. Can we pray together? Just believe that God is going to do something uh, really powerful in this place as we bow our heads and hearts. Lord, we thank you so, so much that you are the God of redemption. You're a God who rescues and redeems. You're the God who doesn't uh, treat us as our sins deserve, your word says. And so we are grateful today, God, that today is another opportunity, Father, uh, to turn away from those things we've been chasing after that are far from your heart and turn toward you and run toward you. And so today we do that, Lord God. We pray, Father, that you would uh, speak to us whatever word you want to speak to us today in this moment. Lord, we're all ears. Open up our spiritual hearts, our spiritual eyes to what you want to show us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Eric. I'm not used to you going back there to do that, so yeah, that was fun. You got to like crawl under the TV. It's exciting. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Claude. And uh, my wife, Meredith, and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church and want to welcome you, especially if this is your first time with us. We're excited that um, you've chosen to be with us today. We are continuing uh, our journey through the book of Nehemiah, as Eric just mentioned, and uh, we're in the middle of a series uh, entitled Built to Be, Built to Be. And today's uh, talk will, I don't know what happened. I got an eyelash in my eye, so that'll be awesome. I'll probably be rubbing my eyeball till it falls out or something today. Um, Try not to be distracted by it. I'll be like, <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> if I didn't say something, I'd just be thinking it the whole time. So um, we'll be focusing on uh, chapter 10. So today's talk is focused on chapter 10, and it's entitled Responsive. Responsive. So followers of Jesus are built to be responsive. Responsive. Now, the word responsive, being responsive, uh, means basically taking action. Being people that take action. Now, growing up, I was a fairly good kid. And uh, my parents will watch these gatherings so they can weigh in if I'm lying. But I was a fairly good kid. And what I mean by that is I was low drama, low maintenance, pretty easygoing. Um, I did definitely have... Uh, one issue in particular. And that issue is probably an issue that might resonate with the majority, if not all of us. But when it came to hearing versus listening, I struggled with that. I struggled with that one a lot growing up. I can think of countless examples of my parents uh, 
<laughs> looking at me with a, a puzzled look on their face and, uh, and asking me, Claude, what are you doing? Uh, to which I was always confused and amazed, like what element could they possibly be struggling with to not realize that I am watching television right now, you know, <laughs> or I'm playing Nerf basketball. Like, why are you asking me what I'm doing? And uh, they would look at me and say, for example, I told you to fold your clothes. I told you to put your clothes away, whatever the task may have been. To which I would inevitably respond, I know, I heard you. <laughs> and they would continue with their puzzled look and say, yeah, I'm not wondering whether or not you heard me. I'm confused as to why you're not listening. You see, the difference between hearing and listening. Hearing and listening. It's funny, at the time, I was so absolutely confused with their look of confusion, and yet now I possess the same look of confusion. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm watching TV. <laughs> It's funny, the, the difference between hearing and listening. Hearing, and I've talked about this before quite some time ago, but I talked about how the, the realization that hearing is passive. Listening is active. What I mean by that is anybody can tell you something. Like, I'm, I'm speaking to you right now. You hear me, right? And so if right now I was like, run! So you all heard that. Nobody listened. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like, that's the difference. You, you can hear me. It's passive. But listening, it requires something. Meredith, run. <laughs> Meredith, why, why, why don't you want the word of God to resonate in the hearts of people? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just getting around. She's devastated by all this. I'm sorry. Don't. It was just a joke. It was just a joke. But the point is, you can hear... And then it's a decision whether or not you listen. It's a decision. You see, we can hear something anytime, randomly in this room on Sunday or in the confines of the comfort of our home online later on. We hear it. We can even agree with it. Hmm, that's good. And then we have this decision to make. Will we listen to that which we've heard? Will we take action on it? In fact, we can even sit in this room and, and hear something, not the audible voice of God, although that would be incredible if you've experienced it. I'd love to hear that story. But uh, I mean, like the, an impression of hearing like, man, the Holy Spirit is, is convicting me on that. Like as this is being said, I need to do something about this. I know it. I hear it. I feel it. And then will we act on it? We hear something, but are we listening? Are we responsive or are we neglecting that which we have heard? Ah, that's tough. Because here's the deal. We don't, out, we don't outgrow the hearing, listening thing. Um, don't tell my wife. But there are times that I hear her and don't listen. No, I'm just, I mean, it's fine. We're even. I told her to run. She didn't even flinch. <laughs> the, the, the reality is we don't outgrow this. We change the way we function as we get older, but the reality is we always deal with the tension of hearing something and then choosing whether or not we'll listen. We heard it, will we do something about it? We agree with it, are we going to act on it? 
As we consider that and its implications, I want to ask you another question to consider as we move into today's text. And it will seem somewhat disconnected when I ask it at first, but as we go throughout this morning, you're going to see the connection. The question is this. The question is, what is your top priority? What is your top priority? Now, you may say good things to that question. And there's something that probably popped into your mind that, that wasn't that great, you know, in the sense that you're like, ah, it's almost kind of embarrassing, but that's probably what matters most to me right now. Well, if we kind of push that down, we think of something more noble, like, oh, our, my family is my top priority, my marriage, you know, exercise, that's my top priority. Those aren't bad things, right? There's nothing bad about those things. You might even say the right answer. If you've been in church circles for any amount of time, you know the right answer is God. <laughs> my top priority is God, Pastor Claude. I, just, I didn't want to say it out loud, but it is. So you're welcome. I mean, he knows it. It's obviously the best answer, right? When you're in a church circle, for sure, you know that the expectation to that answer and maybe even the cry of your heart would be that God would be your top priority. However, what we may say, whether it's something that is noble or maybe even the right or correct answer, what we may say may not be, in fact, what our lives reveal. That's another tough reality. We can say something is our priority because maybe in our heart we want it to be. <laughs> like, oh, no, 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 that's what matters most. I promise that's what matters most. But the people around us are saying the way you live your life is telling us otherwise. And I don't even mean top priority. I just mean priority in general. Like there are different priorities where people in different seasons of your life have been like, hey, you say school matters, <laughs> but the way you're living your life is telling me and your mother otherwise. You say uh, your marriage matters, but the way you're interacting with your spouse, oh, it's revealing otherwise. We might say something, but our lives actually reveal what it is we're trying to keep hidden. In fact, I know we have people here at all different places in their spiritual journey, as we do every Sunday. There's a, there's a safe place to sit and navigate whether you believe that God is even real. And if he is, then what are the implications in your life? And so I know that every week we have people of all different walks that will gather in this place and consider whether or not God is real and how we can interact with him. But I want to tell you, for those of you that have an objection to God, a lot of people's biggest objection is the way this actual issue plays out. The issue that I'm talking about. I'll explain because it used to be some of our issues, if we're honest. They've come in contact with people that say God is their top priority, but they live their life otherwise. And so people feel the tension of a misrepresentation of what followers of Jesus actually look like. And they're in the tension of, is this real? Like, if God is real, then why are people that proclaim to be his followers so wicked? Why are they so mean? Why are they so hurtful? I'm not sure God is real. It's interesting how we can be almost held captive by the way others represent or misrepresent God. 
If God is their top priority, then why is it that they live like money is? God's their top priority, they say, but why do they live their life like their job is? And I mean, how about this one, especially in our culture today? Let's just have a lot of fun at church. They say God is their top priority, but it seems like politics are. Yikes. Right? That's a fun hot topic. It's amazing how we can make secondary and lesser things the main thing. And in the process, actually misrepresent what it is we claim is our top priority. And that's something to wrestle with. It's something to process. You see, we can say anything, but how you live your life, what we prioritize with what scripture outlines and what we say a lot here at Centerway is our time, our talent, and our treasure. Scripture talks about that over and over again. And the reason why is because the way we spend our time, the way we spend our talent, and the way we spend our treasure, our finances, that reveals us. That tells the story. That tells the story right there. You can't say what matters most is my family and not spend any time with them, not invest in them, not leverage your life towards them at all and be like, no, they matter a lot. You're MIA. The same is, is a perfect example when it comes to the right answer. Some of you wanted to say, or maybe you said in your heart and mind, God is my top priority. And so to you, I would say, what is your life revealing? Is it revealed in the way you spend your time, your talent, and your treasure? Because that tells the story every time. And for a lot of us, if we're completely honest, our top priority is our comfort. That's the real thing. Because if we look at the amount of time we actually spend in prayer, the time that we spend in navigating scripture and, and leaning into what it is that God might be whispering to us or speaking to us compared to the time we spend just needing some alone time. I just need some space. I just need to watch the 14th show of this Netflix special. My eyes are bleeding, but I'm just going to just get it done with. I don't want to watch this. I just have to. I need closure. That's my favorite. You're like, okay, so you've captured your life. All of society is trying to take our time. And so what is it that we spend our time on? We, we spend a lot of time on our comfort. We're extremely gifted in so many different ways, and yet we leverage all those gifts towards furthering our career, making our lives better, doing what we enjoy. This is about us. So this is about, this is about my time and how I leverage my gifts and the way that I'm wired and, and the way I spend my money. I mean, listen, this is my favorite ridiculous statement ever. And if you've said it before, I'm not picking on you. A lot of people say it. I work hard so I can play hard. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? You're just trying to justify how much money you spend on the things you find fun. And so you're like, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend all of my treasure on the things that I enjoy. And so my time, my talent, and my treasure, it's really about me and my comfort. And here's the deal. Society is telling us, way to go. Do that. You've worked hard. Hey, you've earned it. And so we have the story of the gospel. We have God telling us what is actually counterintuitive to what culture is telling us. 
Why does that shock us? Why should we be surprised by that? And we have this tension at the core of who we are because really, if anybody looked at the priority of our life, they would conclude that we are the God of our own lives. More often than not, our priority is ourselves. We live in a me-centric society and we are tempted to that end at every turn. Interestingly enough, we are all people of action. And you might say, I don't know, I, I procrastinate. Eh, not when it comes to your comfort. Interesting, right? <laughs> Listen, I just need some time to just take some a nap and to just relax. Why don't we ever procrastinate with our comfort? That would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> No, we are people of action. We all show others our priorities, whether we like it or not. So the question is really, what is your top priority? You have priorities. What's your top priority? Today's chapter addresses this. And so I want to challenge you to reflect. I want you to be honest with yourself. I'm not going to make you write anything down or raise your hand. I want you in the quietness of your own mind as, as I communicate and we journey together through the text. I want you to be wrestling with this idea of what it is that you actually prioritize. And some of you are already a little unseated by what I'm talking about. You're like, this is kind of uncomfortable. I can't believe I picked today to come to Santa Fe. Because <laughs> we don't want to talk about those things. Why? Because... because it's uncomfortable. It's better just not spoken about. And I want to tell you, there's probably a lot of churches that aren't willing to talk about it because it sounds like I'm trying to get something from you, but I'm not. I want you to wrestle with this tension because your relationship with God hangs in the balance of what you prioritize. So evaluate yourself. And I want to challenge you to go a little bit further. I want to challenge you today to evaluate yourself as a leader. And we've defined leader often here at Centerway. If you haven't been with us for any amount of time, we define leadership as influencer. And we are all influencers of people. Whether it's our coworkers, our family, our children, our spouses, our uh, extended family members, you name it, we are influencers of others. And so therefore, we are leaders. And so I want to challenge you to, to consider how are you influencing others with the way you live your life? How are you influencing your family, coworkers, classmates, your peers, your teammates? Because as a leader, as an influencer, we bear responsibility of how we influence others. And I've used this example before. We hate it every time, but you're either influencing people towards Christ or away from him. <laughs> we want to be like in this static, like, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure I'm just existing. Can I just pick that one? Can I just exist? No, no, no. The way and the manner in which you leverage your time, your talent, and treasure, it's communicating to others the priorities of your life, and you're either leading them towards Christ or you're leading them away toward other things that you have prioritized. Oh, man, we hate that. I hate that. Chapter 10 is a community's agreement to prioritize God by living in covenant with him as stewards. That's what chapter 10, if we, were, if we were to summarize it, it's a community's agreement to prioritize God above all else. 
And if you've been with us for any amount of time over the past couple of weeks, they have read the law, they've been wrecked by it, they're falling in line with what it is that God has called them to do, and they've seen over time the faithfulness of God running as this thread throughout their lives. And now they're saying, listen, enough is enough. We are going to live in covenant relationship with God. And verses 1 through 27 are filled with names of people that are in covenant that are in covenant with God. And then in verse 28, it clarifies something pretty important. So I'm going to start by reading verse 28. Verse 28 says this, after going through this list of all these names, verse 28 says, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding. I'll finish the sentence in a second. I want to stop at that verse just for a moment. What this is basically saying is, here are all these people that are in covenant, and also all of the people who understand. All walks of life, no matter your socioeconomic uh, standing, your uh, worth or value in the societal structure that they had at that time, all of us who understand what is taking place as a whole community, we have decided to prioritize God. And then it goes on to finish the sentence, and that's where it kind of gets a little bit intense, especially if you're not familiar with ancient customs. Verse 29 continues, and it says, so it says, and understanding, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that, his, that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his rules and his statutes. It sounds intense, right? Like a curse and an oath? Could you imagine that? <laughs> Welcome to Centerway. We'd love for you to remain. In order to do so, just enter into a curse and an oath. <laughs> Drink this juice. <laughs> The language here, though, it seems intense to us, but a curse and an oath was rather typical in their culture at the time. What it shows us, what it reveals to us thousands of years later, is the fact that they understand the weight of the commitment that they're making. That's what they're saying. They're saying, we're entering into this agreement, and we are are so aware. In fact, all of the people that have knowledge of what it is that we are deciding, we are willing to go in and say, I am making an oath, so much so that if I break that oath, there will be a curse upon me, which is the nature of covenant living within the Old Testament. We've heard covenant be explained before, where an animal would be parted apart, and the people would, as they make this agreement, walk through the the blood of the animal as a form of their covenant, basically saying, if we break this covenant, may this happen to us. May I be dismembered if I break this. Talk about legit understanding things. (laughs) Like, okay, I get it. Like, all right, let's get an animal. Like, okay. (laughs) An oath and a curse. They understand the weight of what it is they're deciding. This is not popular in our culture. In fact, even just this idea unsettles some of us. We prefer contracts over covenants. And the reason we prefer contracts over covenants is because we like to keep our options open. After all, a contract can be renegotiated. 
It can even be broken, potentially. And that is what is problematic about the way we view marriage in our culture. What God intended to be a covenant, the world has made and classified more as a contract. And so there's decisions that can be made so we can exit this contract when none of, one of us is not feeling as though the contract is fully feel, fulfilling what it is that we were looking for. And, and other than that, the word of God is saying, no, this isn't a contract, it's a covenant. And so all throughout scripture, the distinction between contract and covenant, it's, it's carefully calculated and something that we should weigh as we walk through it, as we consider the implications. It goes on in verse 32 uh, yeah 32 through 33 says we also take on ourselves the obligation to give yearly a third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God for the showbread the regular grain offering the regular burnt offering the sabbaths the new moons the appointed feasts the holy things and the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God So what we see here is kind of the rubber meeting the road. This is what we're going to do. We are going to act on this. This is how we're going to respond to that which we understand. We're making a covenant, and this is going to be our part. Now, what's interesting is the language that's used could actually derail us a little bit and send us down a path that we really don't belong going down. I'll explain. When we read this, we're going to hear the words obligate beginning part of that verse says ourselves the obligation to give and then as i'll read later on and if you continue to read through the chapter you'll talk you'll see where it says obligate ourselves we'll obligate ourselves so in our culture when we read obligate like oh so it's an obligation so here's the expectation because you've entered into this covenant here's our part but that's not what it means The word actually means commandment or right. So what they're actually saying is we respond to God by claiming the right to do these things. They're saying basically, God, you remain faithful and we get to do this. We get to do this. So it's important for us to understand these are not obligatory acts. Even though the language actually says obligation, they're not obligatory acts, but they're actually a commitment to trust God. You see, built to be responsive is about devoted obedience that flows out of a trust relationship. Let me say that again so you can kind of understand the difference. And I'm going to connect some dots because I know that I've opened some cans here that need to be clarified. (laughs) Built to be responsive is about devoted obedience that flows out of trust relationship. So I joked earlier. But if I seriously just looked at Meredith, and I know she loves to be singled out, but if I, if I looked at Meredith and with all seriousness, she knows my joking tone and my serious tone. If I looked at her, if I said, Meredith, run, she would run. She would. I know. I guarantee it. There, there have been moments where we have been on hikes or we've had the kids and something has happened and I've said, walk away or go get the girls or whatever. There's a look, there's a, a tone in the voice and she understands like, all right. And the same is true the other way. We had a shady experience at a beach 
And my wife said something to me regarding our kids. And game was on. Like, I did everything she told me to do. There were some shady dudes. They walked away quickly. (laughs) But the point is this. Obedience flows out of a trust relationship. In those moments when, when I speak that to Meredith and say, run or whatever, she, she's listening that be well, I need to obey. <laughs> no, it's a trust relationship where she realizes my love for her. And so she realizes that because I'm telling her to do something, she's acting. And the same is true the opposite. If she says to do something, it's not like, oh, well, that husband is totally whooped by his wife. Meredith just said there's a creepy dude on the beach. And what did he do? He walked right at that guy. (laughs) Whooped. (sighs) No. Why Why have we perverted this idea of obedience to be this awkward sense of weakness? No. Obedience flows out of a trust relationship where there's actual mutual love and respect to say, okay, you tell me to do that. There's a reason I'm gonna act. They're saying, in this text, they're saying, we trust God because of his faithfulness. So we claim the right to give back to him a tithe of what he has given to us. Why? Why would they do that? Why would they claim that right? That is literally the opposite perspective of people who don't know God. If you don't know God, if you're not in a trust relationship with God, the idea of tithe, the idea of giving of your time, your talent, and especially your treasure, it sounds like manipulation. It sounds like giving up something that's, that's yours. Oh, here it is. The church is talking about money. Oh, they must want people to serve. No, we have a very generous church and we have a very an incredibly motivated group of people that serve and give up their time and their talent and their treasure. So this is no tongue lashing. This is teaching the text. And the text is talking about the fact that they're saying, we claim the right to give back to you what you have entrusted to us. Why would they do that? Because they understand something that our culture doesn't. This is actually a huge cultural shift. And before I can get to the point of what it is they fully understand, I want to explain what's happening in their culture. Because if... If you are not a student of history, you might kind of miss this. In, in history, at this time, it marks a moment where the needs of the temple are harder to be met solely by providing animals and grain. The economy, historically, was beginning to shift. And so it was becoming more and more money-based. And so what they're saying is, God, we claim the right to what? To be in covenant with you regarding our treasure. Now, we might say, I still, don't, I still don't understand. They understand God's faithfulness. They understand God's faithfulness and his provision all throughout history. They've just read through the history of his faithfulness and their lack of faithfulness. And so what they're doing in this moment is they're saying, God, we're entering into covenant with you. We're claiming the right. Because we know that if we claim the right regarding our treasure, then it will solidify and stabilize our livelihood, our possessions, and even our money. Verse 35. Just bear with me. 
Verse 35 says this, we obligate ourselves. I told you we'd say it again. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of the tree, of every tree, year by year to the house of the Lord. What they're saying is, I understand all of it is the Lord's. And if we truly understand that we are stewards of what is his, then we give out of a covenant relationship with God. What we're doing is we're trusting that God will provide all that we need. So what's happening here is something that's far deeper than just give us your stuff. What's happening is the people of Israel get it. They understand the faithfulness of God. And so they say, if I enter into covenant relationship, if I claim that right with God, and I give of him a tithe of our first fruits, then what will happen is he will provide my every need. And this covenant relationship is actually far more beneficial for the people of God than it is to God. And so they're saying, I claim the right because we benefit. (laughs) We benefit from a covenant relationship with God. When we enter into a covenant with God, we're the winners. Because guess what? God doesn't break covenants. We do. We do. And spoiler alert, they did even after this chapter. Yeah. They did time and time again. Because they struggled with what? Their priority. Their top priority. And so they violated the covenant. They violated the covenant and they reaped the consequences of violating the covenant. And it continued on this cycle until finally God himself said, I will step into time and I will resolve the covenant that you continually break. I will make the covenant with my own blood. I will go to a cross and I will pay the price that you deserve for the sin of your life. And my blood will be shed so that you can come into right relationship with me and Anyone who calls upon my name will have a right to claim the covenant of child of God. And in those moments, when we understand the fullness of that which God has done on our behalf, suddenly we begin to realize, oh wait, our time, our talent, our treasure, it's all his. It's all his, the breath in our lungs, it's his, it's all a gift. And so, God, I will give back freely whatever it is that you want. How do you want me to leverage my time? How do you want me to leverage my, my talent, my treasure? And, and it relieves the tension of how much is too much for me to keep. Because there's a tension there sometimes in our society. And our society sometimes puts it on the church. It says, well, why do you have so much stuff? But if we're in covenant relationship with God, we have the ability to say, I will give and have given all that God has asked. And because I've given all that God has asked, and when he asks, I give, and I give joyfully, then that which I keep, I can do what I want with, and I can enjoy that which I have because I am in covenant relationship with him. It's completely counterintuitive of the world we live in that says, gather, 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 just get all that you can. And how's that working out for you, by the way? If you subscribe to that, it's funny how, when you're trying to gather, you just can't quite gather enough. Can you, (laughs) there's never enough. And it always seems to elude you. And it's like, Oh good. I've got a little bit of a relaxation. Oh, there's more to give. Oh, I just can't keep up with it. You see, we hoard with a scarcity mentality. We say things like this and I've heard this a lot. And so if you have said it to me, you are not the only one and I'm not singling you out. 
We say things like this, when I have more, I'll give. (laughs) Then you'll never give. You'll never give because what we're, all we're doing in that moment is we're revealing our priorities. That's all, that's all we're doing. You will not have more to give unless you are in a covenant relationship with God. And I'm not saying this like some type of prosperity gospel, okay? I'm not talking about like, hey, if you give God, then you'll get more. If you give to God, you'll get more. So give, give, give. I'm not saying that. No. What I'm saying is when we live in covenant relationship with God, then it's incredible how God will use us as a channel of blessing because we have allowed ourselves to be an extension of his provision towards others. So when we give, God says, oh, I can bless them because they're givers. And so they will continue to give. And it's amazing how the people that live in a covenant relationship with God, they never have need. And God continues to bless them and they continue to to see their time, their talent, and their treasure in a manner of a steward rather than someone that's trying to grip a hold of it and say, I just need to hang on. I just need to gather more. It's a complete difference opinion. And you know what's interesting is if you talk to anybody that's secular, that doesn't even believe that there is a God, does not believe that there's a God at all, they actually talk about the need to give 10% to something meaningful so that your desire to gain will actually lose its power over you. Isn't that amazing? Some of the wealthiest people in our society function according to a biblical principle and they pervert it and they turn it into something philanthropic. And they say, listen, if you just give 10%, it's amazing how you end up having more. You see, when we say, I don't have time to read the word of God. I don't have time to pray. I don't have the money to give. I don't have the bandwidth in my schedule to leverage and serve or, or, or to leverage my talent. When we say those things, what we are revealing is a lack of trust in God and, and a priority in lesser things. It's not just our money, but our time and our talent. And here's the thing. We become enslaved to our priorities. And you know it. Some of you know it all too well. You talk about youth sports, and some of you feel like, I'm pretty sure I'm a slave. (laughs) I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like, they're like, it's this much on this date, you have to be there at this time. Like, fine. I'm sorry, I don't have the money, but do it. I'll be there. What time? Oh, yeah, and you have to serve in the food box or whatever. Okay, well, it's my turn. You're in there, you're like a little, anybody want to buy pizza? It's my turn, you know, I'm doing my time. You know, like, and the same as work, you go into your cubicle or sometimes, I mean, some of you have a longer leash, you're allowed to work from home now. <laughs> But you're sitting there, you're like, listen, it's like I work for my employer. I, I don't even have the time or the bandwidth to enjoy the life that I'm trying to gain money to enjoy. We're enslaved. We're enslaved by it. Why? Because, we're, because we are elevating priorities that are less than God. And we're saying these things matter. But all the while we're saying, oh, but, but God matters. God's the most important. I just don't live like it. Yikes. And all the while, 
Little eyes are looking at you. And friends and family are looking at you and they're establishing the patterns and they're understanding who it is that God is. And they're like, oh, I get it. So, so God is somebody that, that we have marginally attached to our life but doesn't actually influence the way we live. And you're like, I never said that. And they say, you don't have to. It's the way you live. Man, I hope that jacks you up. I hope that messes you up. Because I can't say enough, the lie that you could hear right now is that I want your money or that the church wants your money or that we want your stuff or your time or anything like that. That's the lie. The truth is that. The truth is there is something eternal that is hanging in the balance. And it's not just your own eternity, but it's the, the, the eternity of your family that is hanging in the balance and the, and the people that you influence day in and day out that are looking to you to say, how is it that you live your life? And we think, oh, I need to live perfect. No, I don't need to live perfect. You need to live broken in a trusting relationship with God. And broken means I'm not perfect, but I'm leveraging all that I am for his glory because he is faithful even when I'm not. And so therefore I claim the right to live in covenant relationship with you, God. And so I will give to you out of what it is that you have given to me. (laughs) My gosh, I've said this so many times. Why do we think we created our own lives? Like, well, we didn't. But we live like we do. We live like our breath is ours. Like, no, 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 I earned this. How so? With your ability that God gave you? The fact that you woke up this morning because of the grace of God? Because of his provision on you? You see, all of this is about us understanding that we are stewards and not owners. And if we are stewards, we live life to the fullest. We live life to the fullest and we look and say, oh my gosh, look at how God has blessed us. And so therefore, God, what do you want me to do? Where are you leading me? Where are you directing me so I can be a part of the redemptive narrative that you're writing all around me? It's not about stuff. It's about covenant relationship. And it starts at the cross where Jesus allowed us to be free from the grips of sin, no longer to be slaves, but to be bondservants of a king, no heirs, co-heirs with Christ. In case you're wondering, that's scripture. (laughs) So I had this guy in my life. His name was Uncle Jack. His name was Uncle Jack because he wasn't actually my uncle. He was my mom's uncle. I don't remember the age that I was when I met him. I tried to remember and I'm not exactly certain. Uncle Jack's no longer with us. But the day that I met him, I was in the stairwell of my grandmother's home. He came up to me and he reached into his pocket and he said, hey, I'm Uncle Jack. I was like, hi, Uncle Jack. And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a shiny quarter. And he handed me the quarter and I was in awe. Because at that age, whatever it was, and again, I don't recall, that quarter was everything. I didn't understand a lot about money, but I knew that a quarter could buy me a gumball at just about any one of those turn things. And if you're too old to know what a turn thing is, Google it later. I have no idea what it's called. Gumball machine, I guess. And so I I knew that that quarter was like, I remember leaving like Kmart and there was just like a wall of all these things. Like I could get a toy, I could get any, I mean, that quarter was the world. 
What was even more amazing about that quarter is I also knew at that time it would buy me a box of popcorn at Kmart. That's how old I am. <laughs> and so the quarter, he could have, you know, it was the world. I remember looking at my hand. I was like, I will never forget you, Uncle Jack. <laughs> and so he looks at me and he said, so what's my name? Uncle Jack. And he goes, that's right. He reaches into his wallet. And he opens it up and he pulls out a $5 bill. And he goes, how about this? You give me that quarterback and I'll give you this $5 bill. And I was like, Uncle Jack, you are Satan himself. You're just taking it away, that which you have given. I said, I was like, I'm not falling for that. No way, right? Because my world was quarters. That was the only currency in my world. That was it. This green paper that he pulled out of a piece of leather like meant nothing to me. And so I'm literally in the tension of like, how do I let Uncle Jack down? That I am keeping this quarter and he can keep his stupid paper. And so I'm looking at my mom and my mom's smiling. And I'm like, I'll keep the quarter. And he goes, what? I was like, I'll keep the quarter. And he goes, do you know what this is? I was like, not a quarter. No joke. I remember saying, not a quarter. He started laughing. He goes, you are right. He said, you know what you can do with this? I said, no. He said, you can get 20 quarters with this. I was like, what? So I immediately looked at my mom and she's like shaking her head. And I'm like, am I sure? The tension that was happening in my life in that moment, it wasn't about dollars and cents. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about possessions. It wasn't about time. It wasn't about anything. The tension I'm feeling in that moment is, do I trust Uncle Jack? That's it. Today's text and this message, it's not about money. It's not about stuff. The question is, do you trust God? Do you trust him? Do you trust him enough to give back what he's given you? To give back what he has given you? That was Uncle Jack's quarter. He's asking for it back. He has a right to take it back and give me nothing. But instead, he wants to exchange it for something greater than I could even process at the time. From that moment on, every time I saw Uncle Jack, he'd say, who am I? I'd say Uncle Jack, and he'd give me a $5 bill. No lie. Dude was awesome. Legend. (laughs) Do you trust God? How will you respond to what he's speaking to you? That's the tension. What will you do about it? What will you do about what you know? Because God has given you everything. And if you understand the power of covenant relationship with God who never breaks his covenant, then I would argue that you would stand claim to that covenant and say, no, 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 I have a right to give. I have a right to lay down my life. I have a right. God, 
I claim that covenant. You will provide for me because I'm an open conduit of your hands and feet to everyone I come in contact with. And so I want to live in covenant relationship with God. So I started by challenging you to reflect. So reflect on how you spend the time, the talent, and the treasure that God has entrusted to you. He's entrusted it to you. So the question I want us to ask ourselves, because we say every week the text requires something of us, the question is this. What have I neglected that God is asking me to address? Response versus neglect. What is it that you have neglected that God is asking you to address right now? And I know the tension. Because I just, I just hearkened back to an example of the tension of that little boy holding a quarter. The tension you feel is, but can I trust God for that? Can I trust God for that? I want you to bow your heads. And if you want, you can close your eyes as the worship team is going to make their way forward so we can respond in song in just a moment. But with our heads bowed and potentially with our eyes closed if you prefer so you're not distracted. Maybe what you have neglected that God is asking you to address today is your relationship with him. Maybe you have not begun a trust relationship with the Lord. You've never prayed the prayer to ask Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life. And so today, in this moment, I want to provide opportunity for you to enter into a trust relationship with God if you've never prayed that prayer. And it's not some specific words that need to be repeated, but something along the lines of acknowledging that you are a sinner. And that Jesus died on a cross for you. And right now, you can say, God, I'm a sinner, but you died for me. Would you come and be the Lord and leader of my life? Forgive me of my sins. I trust you. I want to live for you. You can pray that prayer today, and it begins a relationship between you and the Lord. And if you're praying that prayer in this space today, I would welcome to have a conversation with you following the gathering, following the the water baptism, where people will go public with the fact that they have prayed that prayer, that they are in relationship with God. I'll find myself at the, the next steps area. And if you have any questions about what your next step is, I'd love to talk to you about that. And maybe your next step is to go public with the decision that you're making right now through water baptism. Maybe it's to join a circle I don't know what your next step is, but I want to challenge you to be active. Maybe for some of us today, we have to to wrestle with the reality that we have said that we trust God, but we don't live like it. And so if you're watching live right now online and you have just prayed the prayer that I talked about and you'd like to talk to somebody about your next steps, I welcome you to click request prayer. And when you click that button, you'll go into a private chat with one of our pastors. And they'll talk to you about your next steps. If you're watching or listening later on in the week, you can always reach out to us through the next step portion of our website or via email. We'd love to walk alongside you. And so as we 
consider those things today, I want to speak for a moment to those of you that already consider yourself followers of Jesus. What is it that you've neglected that God is asking you to address? Maybe it is the reality of of dealing with your finances differently. Or maybe you are very faithful to give and to tithe, but you've never let your kids in on that. And so maybe it's time to talk to your kids about the reality of, of, of how it is that you live your life with God as a priority in your finances. Maybe it's an area of serving. Maybe your next step is to say, you know what? I'm going to start by, by giving something of my treasure and I want to give something of my talent. Or maybe, maybe it means you already do those things and you just don't spend time with God. You're so quick to get into your day. You're so quick to do the routines or to, to watch Netflix or Hulu or all the things that are pushed to us. And we find ourselves scrolling, but when was the last time we looked at the Bible app and we, we navigated through scripture, we wrestled with a text. What are you neglecting? And maybe you're there today and you say, listen, I'm, I'm a faithful tither and, and I serve in any way that I know to, leveraging my, my talent and I, I leverage my time to the best of my ability. I allow God to interrupt my day. Then to you, I would say, what does it look like to live missionally? to live missionally as if God is your priority in every area. You see, because all of us have an application, we never get to a place where we outpace the text. So what is your part? Maybe, maybe you spend time with God, but when the Holy Spirit kind of nudges your heart to have a spiritual conversation or to share a bit of your story, you're quick to think of how busy you are or how you couldn't possibly be interrupted. Maybe you're neglecting divine appointments that today you have to repent of and say, God, I'm available. Whatever you want, wherever you want it. I want to challenge you. What have you neglected that God is asking you to address? Let's pray before we go into worship. Lord, we come before you and we ask Holy Spirit that you would speak to our hearts. That you'd point to those areas where we've neglected either because we, we've chosen to, to kind of be the Lord of our own lives and try to gather and, Lord, we, we don't want to pursue our own comfort at the expense of a covenant relationship with you. Lord, we declare that we trust you and we live that way today so we can experience the fullness of life and walk in the freedom that that awards us. So we worship you today, not because our circumstances are perfect, Not because we like the situations that we're in, but because you are worthy to be praised. We love you, Lord. We ask that our worship would be a sweet sound to your ear. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
song here today. It's just a song about what God is worthy of. So we're make this our prayer.
Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We commit to be responsive. Lord, that we wouldn't simply be hearers, but we would be doers. And even as James admonishes us, Lord, we would live our lives as doers. What it is that you have laid on our hearts, what it is that you're calling us to do, we will not neglect. We will act on for your glory and our joy. And we're grateful that you choose to live in covenant relationship with us. We ask that you be with us as we go our separate ways and Lord, that as we celebrate those that are going public with the decision that they've made to follow you, Lord, that as we celebrate, all of heaven would celebrate with us. We ask that you remain present in this place. In your name we pray, amen, amen. If you would, um, just be seated. Um, we're going to transition now to a very special part of our gathering that's been uh, alluded to from the beginning. Uh, first, we're going to say goodbye to those gathering live online or watching or listening later on. Uh, here in the room, we're going to be baptizing two people. And so you'll be able, for those of you that are online, um, you'll be able to see those images on social media. And eventually, you'll even be able to see their stories uh, in the upcoming months. So if you would like to be baptized or learn more about that, we definitely encourage you to check out our Next Step page for more information. You can reach out to us anytime. And uh, thanks everyone for joining us online. And we would love to see you in person sometime so you can celebrate with us. So God bless you and we'll see you next week.